Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on Sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, Clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With a certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, all you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And Airwave. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer 
and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece. I know, I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code Real Rescue, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Coming up next, we've got stories to get into the mountains, the ice, the snow, rappelling in and hoisting out. They are incredible. So please welcome our next guest, United States Navy Search and Rescue Corpsman, Mr. Wayne Popalski. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. I've got another Navy boy with me. Yes. Now, he's not a rescue swimmer. I know. Wah, wah. I'm just kidding, Wayne. Just kidding, bro. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah. Floating. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the only person that was laughing was me. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Floating. I got it. <laughs> uh, got it. Got it. Yeah. Rescue floater. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, so Mr. Wayne Papalski, Navy uh, SAR Corman. And beyond that, he does a whole bunch of other stuff in the helicopter, including a hoist operator. You're a gunner. You're the medic. You're a whole bunch of stuff with the air crew. Just straight up badass in the back, right? I mean, is that that sums it up for you? It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a pretty good time. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's never bad. Yeah, it's never bad. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming in. Um, as a matter of fact, let me throw one more plug in here because you guys, you are co-host of another podcast out there called Dust Off Medic. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. One of the co-hosts with uh, another phenomenal group of uh, uh, now quad service. We have a, we have a Coast Guard uh, swimmer on there. But yeah, we have we have a ton of good people on there doing some good podcasts, debriefs, vignettes, talking about new stuff. Love it. Love it. A lot of medical stuff that's out there on the, on the podcast that you guys really dive deep into. It's pretty good. Yep. So, yeah. So go check that out right after, right after you listen to the whole thing of this one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's it's pretty sweet. Right on. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, man, before we get into some of your rescues and stuff, if you don't mind, give us a little background about who you are and how you joined the Navy and so on and so forth, how you became a corpsman. Uh, yeah, so grew up in the Jersey area, uh, right around Newark and Bayonne, right across from New York City. 
was a sophomore in high school. 9-11 happened, like, right in front of my eyes. Uh, saw the second tower fall from, like, the rooftop of my high school and then uh, wow. decided to – yeah, it was it was pretty gnarly. And then, like, shortly after that, like, all the recruiters are coming by. So I ran into a buddy who was two grades ahead of me. He joined the Marine Corps. Talked to him. I was like, hey, I want to do something to medicine because I saw, like, the first responders. Like, it was just, like, a my mile, endless miles of first responders going to New York City. So I was like, hey, I want to do something like that. And then – He's like, not not to be too like inappropriate or whatever, but he, he was like, you got to go see, you know, inappropriate word over to the the guys in white over in the Navy if you want to do that, you know, call, call them like homosexuals or whatever. And I was like, all right, dude, like, <laughs> cool, I'll go over there, you know. So I went over and at, at that time, uh, out of the Brooklyn maps, we, ha- we were not at war with Iraq yet. We were still in, in Afghanistan. Uh, and they were minting Corman out of that, out of that, uh, out of that MEP station. And I had no idea what a Corman was. I just told him I wanted to do something medical. I thought I was going to be like working on an ambulance or a fire truck or something. I like, I'm dumb. You know, I'm 16 years old. I didn't know. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be a, 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 I, I was pronouncing it wrong. I was like, I'm going to be a corpse man. Like I'm going to be handling corpses. I was like, I guess, I don't know. And then I had no idea, dude. Like they don't tell you anything. They tell you shit. Right. So. Oh like some God, dumb, some they're like, hey, get in behind the curtain, boom, you know. So, <laughs> that, yeah, so I came in in 04, went right to core school. Um, someone had talked to me in core school about being a search and rescue corpsman. Uh, and I'll mention this a couple of times throughout we're talking, but like, we from the moment I came in, we were told we were going away, like the community was just going away, they were getting rid of them, there was no need for them. Uh, search and rescue was kind of dwindling down because of the civilian buildup of search and rescue stuff, such as like CHP and like all the heart teams for the national guard. So, yeah, you know, the, the coast guard and the Navy's gift back to the United States has always been search and rescue. So, and we had all those station SAR commands all over the country. So uh, they were dying down. They were going to get rid of us. So I, I dropped the package for it. And then they were like, no, Hey, uh, you don't have this. So my first, I had my first uh, duty station was Naval Hospital Great Lakes, which is where I went to core school. So I literally checked out as a student and then checked in as staff. Um, so uh, I, I wasn't, I that wasn't was there that it, it was super rough. I wasn't there that long. I ended up getting to do some cool stuff and leave. Um, but I ended up going on this training trip uh, and I, I, a training trip that almost turned into a deployment and, I ended up having a heat stroke patient and I turned him over to what I thought was like a flight medic. And he had a patch on his arm that said search and rescue corpsman. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And he's like, I'm a corpsman. I was like, I'm a corpsman. I was like, and we're like underneath the rotor arc, you know, like screaming at each other. Yeah. And I like, he like gave me his patch and was like, find me. And I was like, I don't even know your name, bro. But like, I found him because there's not that many of them. And then uh, he gave me all the information and then short shortly after that, uh, he was on a he was on their podcast too. My my best friend in the whole world is Ryan Honnell. Um, shout out to Ryan Honnell. Yeah, shout out to Ryan. So like he he checked in up there, starting the package to go into the pipeline, and I had just dropped my package, so ended up being a peer group ahead and behind each other our entire time. So uh, screened, <clears throat> dropped the package, got picked up, and started doing that at the end of two thousand six, and. 
went through the pipeline down in Pensacola, went to, at the time, the Army Flight Medic course when it was at Fort Rucker, and then went to my first command. So, so it was like, it's very like well, minted. Let, let me come back because I, I don't know a whole lot about how the transition happens to your training. So to yep. be like, I get the corpsman side of training. Um, and for those that don't know, it's 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 like an introduction to medicine. Um, yeah, you it's know, like you EMT, see, EMT basic with like medical assisting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yep. a that's perfect so what is what does it take to be the SAR side what do you guys do for training to be SAR yeah so uh there's I mean there's the corpsman rate right like I know the Coast Guard has rates other services have MOS's uh we are one of 52 NECs inside of the corpsman community there's there's tons of different types of corpsmen uh, so our training starts off in Pensacola, Florida at aircrew school. You go through with like all the fixed wing and all the rotary wing, Navy, Marine Corps. We've had Coast Guard in there and then like foreign service. Um, wow. And then you do that four weeks, which is basically just survival school floating in a pool. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, with, or, with or without gear on. Um, from, from, from there, you go to Fort Rucker, which was at the time six or seven weeks uh and this is before any service had flight paramedics so we just did acls pals itls at the time like what tccc was forming to be for conventional forces and then uh just a ton of like drills in the back of a helo shell you got like one hoist on a huey like a vietnam era huey on a, nice. on a jungle on a jungle penetrator not nice <laughs> yeah some somewhere some guy in and some vfw was like yeah brother you know like very scary uh but yet at the time like you know you're 20 20 years old you're like this is awesome uh and then that's it so the, the at the at at that specific point and in our history all of our stuff was ojt it's like you checked in you were an apprentice you got, you got a master and like, that was your dude. He was probably two to three peer groups ahead of you on his way out to retirement. Uh, and his job was to train you as a SAR corpsman. You had six months to get qualified. So um, six months of what we now <laughs> label as hazing, <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> some, some people call it constructive criticism now, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So you, you have six months to get qualified and that's, at the time it was just like whatever they felt worked and then now we have like an official uh it's not even called a pq a jqr a job qualification oh, nice. uh, task book so we have an official like jqr now um but at the time it was just like whatever they wanted yeah. yeah hey today i want you to carry risky randy on your back for everywhere you go on base in uniform cool <laughs> yeah cool cool bro yeah. so i get but, it like you know yep. what i actually get yeah. both sides of it too and that, that was it's one of it's a kind of a personal pet peeve of mine. Like you go through, um, like anyway, we'll get into it. But it's, yeah. it's the norms, you know. It's yeah. one of the CRM things, like the norms. Get out of the norms. But it's that yeah. this is the way we've always done it, you know. And yeah, then you got a, guys that are handing down bad information because nobody knows any better. Yeah, when, I I have I had like it will when you we get to that point about one of the rescues you're gonna bring up, but like this one specific point. Uh, I had a mentor. He was a Cherry Point guy. Um, Cherry Point Station SAR is like famous throughout like the Navy. 
and the Marine Corps just because they got like 150 missions a year. But it, it was the way they trained, which is why they were famous. Um, uh, they were they were very aggressive. They did these things called scream and shouts. Uh, and, and looking back at it, we would always think like, oh, my God, you guys got hazed. And like, actually, it was very structured, very scripted. Uh, no one ever had a problem with it. And it, But they were groomed for being really good technicians, really good medics. Uh, and my one of my mentors came from there. So he brought that stuff down to Jacksonville, Florida, where I was getting trained. And uh, he always would make me fireman carry rescue Randy. He's like, yeah, man, like you never know, like when a when a B-17 crashes in the woods, you know, you got to fireman carry someone because he had a rescue like that. And I was like, I don't I don't know if that ever happened, dude, but I'm not going to second guess you because you don't rank me, but I'll carry rescue Randy. <laughs> but he, he made me he made me bring. Rest, one day I was leaving. He's like, don't forget to dress rescue Randy in his flight suit and I'll be at the front gate. He better be buckled in the passenger seat. And I was like, nah, you're full of shit. And he was like, nah, I'm being for real. And he was at the front gate as I drove in the next day and I had rescue Randy in my passenger seat. So <laughs> like, he gave a little salute, you know? But yeah. <laughs> wild, wild time to be alive. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, it was I love good. it. I love it was it. good training. It was good training. You learn a lot, man. Or you learn a lot yeah. from everyone. The do's and don'ts, you know? Don't be like yeah. him. Be like him. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I yeah. like I don't want to take away from any of the training like that that anybody's been through. Good, bad, or indifferent, because you, that comes in as well. Like, don't be like that guy. Be more like that guy. Yeah. In our world, like our like aviation in general, it's a small world. So yeah, you can make a name for yourself pretty quick. Good or yeah. bad. Yeah. Good so, and bad. Yeah. 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 And, and yep. it's all those like the guys that call you later, like. And it's the random phone calls you'll get from somebody like, hey, you know so-and-so? I'm like, yeah. What do you think? Ooh, you want my oh, yeah. like you want my yeah. honest opinion or my like there's <laughs> there I've come to learn that there's three different levels of he's a good dude. Yeah, like, yo, he's a good dude. He's an all right dude. He's a good yeah. dude. I'm like, oh, he's a bad guy. <laughs> you know, like yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, you know yeah. what? Because I don't I don't ever want to get in the way of somebody else's career. I I don't want to. Like, I don't want to stop somebody from yeah. getting a job. That's not the, but if you're calling me and you want my opinion. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've, like... I've had to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, rule number six, yeah. don't be a prick. You'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, let's say, uh, before I get into the, all the, like, the award stuff like, and some of the fun yeah. stuff, what was your very first rescue you had as a SARTEC? Yeah, it, it was a good one. So we were leaving for deployment. Um, we were, or we're getting ready to leave for deployment. We we're doing like a last minute workup. And uh, what, the whole story is wild, but, and I'm not, I'm not digging on the Coast Guard. So we got paged oh, out. Oh, absolutely on, you are. We okay, got, I, we you got, already started. What the I hell? I started. I'm just poking. <laughs> so we got paged out on, uh, it wasn't even a page. I'm saying page out because that's how we got re our rescues in Washington. But uh, we were flying around and over Maritime 16, we heard the Coast Guard asking for assistance because they couldn't find this vessel. So there was two Navy ships in the area and they were asking to get bearings and bunos uh, to head out that way. So we were like, all right, um, what's going on? So we like it was a bird out of E-City and this is in 2000, early 2008. Uh, so we it was for an explosion on a boiler ship. Ooh. So we were like, uh, uh, and we were like, all right, what, what do you have? And they said, Hey, they have four patients and ended up being three, but they had four patients. And it sounded like there was an explosion somewhere on an, in an engine room. 
and they they need assistance. So like, I think I had been qualified like two weeks, like I released, like can operate without my sea daddy, you know, holding on to his yeah, pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, they ended up getting they, the Coast Guard ended up getting out there, right? And but they had to go back to the aircraft carrier to get gas because they like were well over their bingo time. So the, the the carrier that we were working with like steamed towards them. They went and got lily padded gas, but we were like, hey, we have two flight medics and a rescue swimmer on board. We were doing a, a, a CSAR event. So like we got all our med gear, all our drugs. Uh, let's like a training event, like, hey, we'll go. And then whatever the Coast Guard sector here was like, send them. They're closer. They got plenty of gas. It it was a, a bitch to get to this this uh we were navigating like little pockets of, of rain cells we don't have terrain falling radar or weather radar on the birds like we're literally like just duck dipping and diving around these like cells and then uh this ship was fully lit up they had like these lights going that looked like the like a discotheque thing and uh <laughs> big wow. big open flat deck in the back of the mast and uh we just hoisted myself and a swimmer down and we're like hey what's because they weren't even answering on the radio like hey what's going on they had guys waving with like flares. We knew that they were there uh, and got down on the deck. They barely spoke any English standard. Uh, yeah. And they had like one British dude who was really good. And like their captain spoke pretty good English, but he's like on the sat phone yelling at all these people on the radio, not cooperating and uh, come downstairs. They had three dudes, a boiler blew up, which ended up shooting like, steam on all three of them and uh one dude died instantly and then the other two dudes had just like significant third degree smelting burns like i say smelting like austin powers because there's just it's very hard to describe like what that did to their skin because like it wasn't burned like we normally see burns it was like blistered skin that when you touched it your hand indented like four inches you know oh wow. it, was, it was just it looked it was like that scene from we were soldiers where like you could like peel everything like a, like a really good marinated cooked chicken bone like that's that's what it looked like so one guy had it to his face and his uh his neck face and neck and then uh on his chest on his arm and like his ring his ring was he had a wedding ring on and it was melted like it was flat gold on his finger wow. uh, and that, that was like that like stood out to me and then uh the other guy he was the worst one so i sent my buddy the swimmer um over to the dude with the burns to the neck because he was talking so i'm like all right he's cool he's talking not worried about cracking him cool went over to the other guy everything was burned on his body except he had a welder's bib on because that's what that's what caused the explosion they were doing some work on the side of this like pipe next to this boiler and he had this welding bib on and the only thing that wasn't burned was nipple line down to his dick wow. and uh er everything else had burned so we ended up cracking him uh ended up trying to get ivs on him but like we we, we couldn't and this is 2008 so like we the only iv or like ios at the time we had were the fast ones that go on the chest oh yeah yeah so, I, yeah so i went to go like give him an io and my the io went through almost through his sternum like it was like pushing on like rubber bone oh, um so i <laughs> um i had uh i had a really good paramedic instructor um she had been a nurse for like 40 years 
and she was a nurse paramedic. And I remember her, I remember her saying in a last ditch effort, there's always the main vein. So I like across like the billboard that's on my forehead as I'm stressed out sweating. I was like, <laughs> I wonder if I can do a dick IV on this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it worked. Uh, it's, and people call me bullshit. There's a couple of Rangers and uh, 160th flight medics and uh, a couple of SAR corpsmen have called bullshit. It works because we tested it out in the back of a Walmart parking lot in the middle of Georgia doing RMTs. So yeah, I, I dropped them off at, uh, it's got a different name now, but it's the level one trauma center. It used to be called Pitt Memorial in North Carolina. Okay. It's green. It's Greenville now, but I dropped, I dropped him off. He lived, uh, he ended up going up to Baltimore to Johns Hopkins to the burn unit. And, uh, yeah. I don't know what happened after that, but I remember turning him over in the ER. Like you said, you had IV access. And I was like, like, like pointing, pointing down. And they were like, Oh, you got a you got a femoral line or you got an IO. And I was like a little bit higher. And the nurse pulled it up and just saw this like 18 gauge in this dude, top of this dude's, you know, junk. And she goes, what the fuck? she's oh like what kind of, she's like what kind of bushcraft medicine are you guys doing and then uh <laughs> i yeah it says that's re like it, i call that a medevac or we we called it a rescue because we had to like hoist them off put we put both of them in the litter um we only had one litter but one guy got in the old school basket that we used to have okay uh but he uh they both did pretty good it was a shit show i mean we we're on the ship for like an hour and, you know, and then by the time we got back, the Coast Guard was there and they were like, we'll hoist them out. And I'm like, I, I was like, I'm not trying to be a dick. Like we're on the the radio with the antenna where you have the, the flabby push button. And I'm like, holding it, like screaming. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like this patient, the one you could take the other guy, but like this guy, he's staying with me. Like 100%. We're bagging him, pissing fluid into him. Yeah. Uh, I, wow. I actually opened up, I actually opened up my med kit. I didn't have pain meds. I had everything else, but pain meds. Um, and I had remembered that they wouldn't let us check them out for whatever reason. Cause uh, it was a training flight prior it was a, to that. It was a, it was a, it was a training That's, flight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I so, can totally uh, get that. I hope that yeah. rule has changed. Yeah. We have them on us all the time now. It, and that started after, but it, it was, uh, I probably could have fought to get it, but like, I just, in my mind. So I, I did some, some backwoods things to control his pain, um, some things that were, you know, would get me in trouble by my medical director if I said it out loud, but he got, he got some doses to make him sleepy time, but, um, <clears throat> I was some other meds, but he, uh, he did pretty good, but the next, so the next, I got back to the, the, the ship and we were only on there for a couple of days. And the next day we got a, a actual rescue, beat the coast guard out to it. And one of my swimmers got the Navy and Marine Corps medal for, hoisting down in 20 foot 20 foot seas and then what? so like what we so so what we did the night before completely got deleted out of their minds because they're like yo he got a real rescue he was in the water hanging from a ship 20 foot seas and i'm like dude we criped the guy last night <laughs> you know they didn't care they didn't give a <laughs> no, shit okay. yeah, yeah. yeah you're yesterday then, dude that was so yesterday yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what happened yeah nothing happened so that was my first one. And then I went a good bit. Wow. We did a ton of medevacs, a lot of stuff in Iraq off the oil platforms. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, didn't had some, it was, it's hit or miss when you're, when you're operational, you know, like deploying, um, yeah. the primary is the mission, secondary is wherever you are, but good missions. And then I ended up going to a soft helicopter unit where our only job was Kazavag. 
So a, lo a lot of good missions there. So yeah, the first one was a doozy though. It was like, what? I was like, man, all of them are going to be like this. And then like my next medevac was like for a guy with like, you know, gonorrhea or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're <laughs> like, really? This is boring. This is boring, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I peaked. I peaked early. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of happened to me too. That's all right. I didn't know. Yeah. It was like yeah, the first I mean, one was like, oh my God. And then after that, I'm like, oh, I thought they were all like that other one. <laughs> dude, I, I was texting my boys because like we're all over the, all over the world, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And at the time, it's like MySpace. I'm like hitting them up. I'm like, you're never gonna fucking believe what I just did, dude. Like, <laughs> they're like, they're like, dude, I haven't even flown yet. And I'm like, this is wild. And then, yeah, nothing, nothing for a while. Oh Lots of training God. stuff. Yeah, That's I'll tell you what, I I shot those trees tons of times because I got those bad op for. But yeah, the the first the first one was the first one was a doozy. So. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Dang, man. All right. So I, you, you know, there's a ton of people that are listening right now. Like that, that what I got to back up. Do you put yeah. an IV in this guy's junk? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a couple guys who have like no shit, like hit me up. Like you're full of shit. Like you're lying. And then, uh, they, they've like, I sat them through and I talked to them about like the timeline. Right. Cause they're like, why didn't you just I them? And I explained like, dude, it's 2008. All we have is fast one. Uh, yeah reads talk to some old school paramedics like that that is a point of access that they were told to use back in the day they do it on kids all the time but higher up like close to the umbilicus but there's a there's a really good vein there uh but this one I dude be was calling, you, bro, I, that is not a spot that i i really would have thought just, about just look at the top it's always there you don't even need to turn <laughs> it it flows it flows pretty good uh <laughs> but it, you know what? It I'm was, gonna check. It. I'm gonna check it out. And like right after we're done, I want to go. Oh, look at that! <laughs> you're like someone's gonna come in. And be like, what are you doing? I'm like nothing. Yeah, Leave me alone. I'm looking. I'm looking for a vein. <laughs> yeah, it it was it was to the point where like we were. I had left conventional. I was at that soft command, and someone had heard the story, um and they were like, "Yo, that's the that's the the Dick IV medic." And, you know, like, I love, I love my fellow servicemen, but like <clears throat> one of the Rangers that was with us, he was a Ranger medic. He was like, that's full of shit. And I was like, well, if you get drunk enough, let's try it. And, uh, yeah, sure. Shit. And he was like three beers in. He was like, do it. He's oh like, I want to see, he's like, I was like, I want to see this get done. And I was like, let's go boys. You know, but, uh, and, and then, and then, and then, and then uh, the, 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 be it. the best was there there may or may not have been a picture of of this at one point <laughs> and it somehow made it to like an orm brief that got briefed to our commodore like it, it floated around oh. like all so like here they're like giving an orm brief and they're like yeah you know like you know weapon safety needle stick safety and there's a picture of a dude in a van like 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 uh, you know with the iv bag going <laughs> going towards his junk Oh but uh God. yeah it uh, going back to that case like i had nothing i and i've i've i thought of in my mind i thought about cutting down i'd never done that before i've never done a cut down to find a vein uh, yeah. i've heard of people talking about it i know sockums do it <clears throat> at the time i knew sockums do it and i was like you know what let's just try it and it worked so that's awesome yeah well, I, all right. Yeah. So, in all reality, and if you think like just from what you just briefed to me or the story is, if yeah. you've got a guy totally burned out, 
you know, they're they're swelling all over you. You're going to be hard pressed to get a vein anyway. Without yeah, so I. Yeah, so we try. I tried everything. AC, like up or high on the arm. I looked on the chest. Chest was melted. I and like I'm a huge fan of of EJs, right? Like lo yeah. love them, but I had to crack through like an inch and a half of tissue. So oh, I I would have had to like I I would have never known if it was there because his neck was so swollen. Yeah. Um, he had like he so someone showed me a picture of him before. He had a butt a butt chin. You would have never have known. Cause it was just so swollen out. Jeez, um, oh man. But I think from time of blast, the time that we got there was like 35 minutes. Cause we were already like wow. do, do, doing stuff. So that's actually not too bad. Yeah. But it pays to be within like 60 miles of, of that ring already, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But wow. yeah, we were, we were pretty, we were pretty far out there, uh, which it was a pretty good stretch for E city, but it was good. Good for you good guys, one. man. That was a Holy good one. Sh that's a way to start yeah. a career. What, what, yeah, one time we sneak in there to get one from the Coast Guard. Every other time, it's like <laughs> they're like drifting in there, you know. That's right. Yeah. Where you at, Navy? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. In the Dolphin, you know, in their yeah. little Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I love it. Dude, that's hilarious. What a good yeah. case, man. Yeah. It comes up every what? once in a while. Well, I'm, I'm, thanks for bringing it up here, man. Cause that's, uh, like everybody has their first and, and it's like, a, I don't know. I, I call it like the first girlfriend, like your first love. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. you never forget yeah. that. It I never forget it, dude. <laughs> I always, Brian and I joke all the time. Cause like someone will say something. I'll be like, I'll be 70 years old with dementia, but I'll remember that, you know, like, <laughs> I'll be in my chair pooping on myself and I'll remember that. Uh, I was oh, like, yeah, I'll remember, I'll remember the dick IV for sure. So that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let me get into uh, one of the award cases that you received here. And um, I'm going to hammer down. I'm going to read this. this is, uh, and I'm going to go in chronological order. And just for yep. everybody's knowledge, we're going to go over five. Ooh, buddy. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. So let me read this one. And then uh, let's get the recap. The President of the United States takes pleasure in presenting the Air Medal with Bronze Star for first award to Hospital Corpsman First Class Wayne N. Popalski, United States Navy, for service set forth in the following citation for heroic achievement while participating in aerial flight while flying a search and rescue medical technician on H-60 aircraft assigned to Naval Air Station Woodby Island during a search and rescue mission on Mount Stewart, Washington, on 5 June 2014. Petty Popalski's forward thinking, superior airmanship, and unmatched medical experience were vital in the successful rescue of a stranded and critically injured hiker. Upon her successful extraction by Firewood 58, he delivered life-saving care to treat the survivor's skull fracture, intracranial bleeding, occluded artery, arm broken in four places, and extensive facial trauma. Undeterred by obstacles, Petty Officer Popalski demonstrated superior technical capacity and skill to safely effect the high-altitude rescue in close proximity to the near-vertical rock cliff, which left zero margin for error. His efforts saved a life where other crews and aircrafts could not. By his skillful airmanship, steadfast aggressiveness, and exemplary devotion and duty, 
in the face of hazardous flying conditions, Pedro Papalski reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. Bruh, that yeah. is legit. Up in a mountain, like, holy cow, life-saving. So occluded artery, intracranial bleeding, broken arm in four places. What the hell? Yeah, dude, Mount, if you ever make it to Washington, uh, it, Mount Stewart's a beautiful mountain. It's a super deadly mountain. And like anyone who flies around there, so Yakima, Dustoff, uh, Chelan County, King County Sheriff, uh, Snowhawk, so Snohomish County, they're all like civilian sheriffs that have helos. And then the Navy and the Coast Guard, like if you hear Mount Stewart come across your page or that's like where the spot beacon is, everyone's like, because it's just, it's the, it's just a, <laughs> she, she's an angry lady. She's always angry. There's never, there's never a time she's not windy, hot. Like it could be middle of winter and they have that weird inversion layer. And it's like, you know, you're in Gore-Tex and a goose down, like getting ready to hoist out. And like, you hit that inversion layer, like, oh, God, it's 50 degrees and our power just spiked. Like, what the fuck? So, wow. yeah, yeah, it's, it's, she's a, she's a pill, man, for sure. Well, give us a, like what happened with this, this case. Yeah, so, so, you, uh, you get launched out for just. So that, that, that's, that specific thing is one of two. So uh, she fell from this, this, there's a false summit there. If you look at the mountain, most of the pictures are always the south looking north because that's where the, it's more pretty. And then the north side is all like super steep technical rock climbing. <clears throat> you can you can crag up on the south the southeastern side, and uh, they were up there, and she slipped down this like little glacier chute and fell about eight hundred feet. Uh, sl slid eight hundred feet, playing pinball with everything down. Oh uh, my that, god! That happened on a Thursday night or a, thir a Thursday afternoon. Um, the winds were too unsteady for Snohomish County. I, I love Snohomish County. Bill's Christopher's a phenomenal pilot. I got some buddies that fly there now. Uh, that that mountain is a little bit too much for their Huey sometimes. So they uh, it was it was right around eighty five hundred feet, maybe a little higher. I, I can't remember the exact altitude. Wow. And uh, we were doing SAR jumps that night, Thursday night, and uh, we were in the middle of like resetting around pinky time, getting ready to do nighttime deployments and yeah. uh, air traffic control was like, hey, swap your call sign from firewood to rescue. We got a mission for you. We're like, oh shit, game on boys. And we, we had a, like a lull period for a bit. We hadn't had a good rescue since January. Um, we had a couple of like, we call them pregovacs, but we had a couple, we had a couple mega medevacs for a bit. And then uh, we were getting the details and they're like Mount Stewart, 8,500 feet. We're like, oh shit. So uh, we launched out there, um, ended up seeing her like immediately when we got there's about a 35 minute, 40 minute transport or transit time. They heard the, you could hear the helo, you know, 10 miles out because there's, it's just mountains. So it's just echoing. So they had their, their uh, helmet light going, strobe yep. light going. And we could see them clear as day, almost at the summit. Uh, and we made an approach, birds started shaking, tail kicked a little bit and they're like, ah, don't like it. So the pilots drifted off, came back and the winds were just crazy, like wild, like gusts of anywhere from like 40 to 50 aircraft couldn't get stable, power spiking up and down. Uh, and these two pilots at night, phenomenal dudes. We were just like, you know, let's just go get a ground search party and 
and put them in somewhere lower on the mountain or as close to them as we can. They'll hike to them and then maybe they can move them down. So we picked up two uh, professional rescuers from Cheyenne County. When we went to go put them in like about 500 feet below them, then we were coming into a hover. They're like, man, hover feels great. And then just a fucking downdraft came and we lost tail rotor authority, tail kick to the left about almost 180 degrees. Uh, they, oh my God. They, they dropped the collective, scooped out off the mountain and everyone was like, we're not doing that again. Like we're over it, dude. Like, so we ended up putting them in at 5,000 feet and uh, they climbed up that rest the rest uh got to them we went home refueled day shift came on at seven uh at, at that specific time we only i only had one flight medic that was me the other guy was on leave and we were like a port and starboard like duty section okay so i had already exceeded my flight hours for a 24-hour period <clears throat> they had to go to the co because we got paged back out around 7 15 in the morning they're like we're ready for pickup. They got them. They got her. They moved her down about a hundred feet. Uh, the winds have come down. It's hot out. Come, come get us. And uh, the CO was like, just go. Just his exact words to us were like, you can go, but you can't hoist. So like, like you was, can't was, manipulate the aircraft to I, hoist, or you can't. I get can't on the get. Hoist. I can't get on the hoist. Okay. So uh, we would fly because our only job there was search and rescue. We would fly with a dedicated crew chief, a dedicated flight medic, and a dedicated ground rescue tech. We call them a HIRA, a helicopter inland rescue air crewman, so a ground okay. tech. So we opted to send the HIRA down. Uh, and, and our SOP was someone injured on the ground, the medic always goes first. Um, so we – and we're, we're dual qualified. We're HIRAs and we're medics. So we – I was tired, man. Like I was up the all that day, flew that mission until four in the morning. And then I I was like, cool, not go down. Got it. Uh the the there's a video of it floating around somewhere. Um, and I got some I got some pictures of it, but it was a 190 foot hoist that turned into a DD. Uh, DD direct deployment? Direct deployment, yeah. So okay. he just went down and slipped it on and cinched an honor cinched the strap on her um there's some pictures of her like on the ground but like she's got you get obvious facial trauma on, on the because there's some like ground rescue techs there and her arm was mangled and and they they sling and sloughed it to her body you can't see any of any of the breaks but uh my buddy Corey, who is the crew chief for one of the rescues we're going to talk about here in a little bit um he was the hire that went down dual hats that qualification and uh yeah 190 foot hoist um they came in, in slid in picked her up in a strap yeah he was he was oh in his harness God. he he was wearing his harness yeah. he got her in the strap yeah uh oh she must and, have been miserable yeah oh yeah she was screaming the whole way up but yeah. she was happy to be off the mountain so <laughs> <laughs> true statement i i think if he would have tried to do a litter or anything else the winds were just too unpredictable gotcha. so right um especially at that moment, like any any rescuer who's like ah oh, stewart they'll always be like Oof. you know so it was just like get in get off get out real quick um so we got her up into the bird that it was seamless man like it was on like they did a couple a couple of routes uh jared wada cole heller were our pilots phenomenal pilots 
very, very aggressive, very, they're risk adverse, but they were very, very aggressive, uh, which I like and, but they were safe and, uh, dumped fuel. They dumped about a thousand pounds of fuel to make weight. And then, uh, yeah. Oh, we, we actually landed to kick out a bunch of gear in the park and wow. then dumped about 900 pounds of gear and then came back, hoisted her out. And I, I remember getting her into the aircraft. She was coming up about halfway to the door, right when that like detent from the aircraft slows the hoist down. And I looked at her and I was like, holy shit, like this is, this is not good. Um, so she gets in, closed the cabin door. Fun fact, did not know this at the time because like I had cut clothes off people in Afghanistan before that had goose down, but never like under a rotor arc. Cut her, cut, <laughs> cut her puff off in the bird, because uh, oh they like tied they tied all this stuff all over her. So it was like you know her arm was slung up like this, and you can see bleeding coming through her jacket. So I was like, all right, like let's take a look at it. And uh, I cut it, and in instantly when I cut it, feathers went everywhere. <laughs> and our pilots, our pilots, are like, do we just have a bird strike? And I was like. <laughs> And Corey's like, no, fucking Wayne cut this chick's jacket. And I was like, oh, damn, I'm sorry, dude. So, uh, but a funny moment, but, uh, yeah, she had, <laughs> she had a, she had a humorous break, uh, a mangled elbow, her short, her AC joint was separated. And like, depending on how she moved her arm, it would like occlude like her radial, like, so we like manipulated, I gave her a shit ton of ketamine, but I gave her, uh, a ton of meds. I repositioned her arm to like where I could feel a good radial pulse and then yeah. held it. I had them hold that in that spot and make her a splint. Uh, and like, in, so it ended up being like this weird position like this. Yeah. And that's how she had like, a radial pulse. And like, we just, out, just outstretched or the shoulder elevated and yep. holding up. Yeah. And she stayed like that for the whole 30 minute flight to the trauma center. But uh, it was when I took her helmet off. Like our, one of our pilots at the time, he'll tell you this, Cole, Cole Heller will tell you this if you ever talked to him, but like he was looking back in the cabin and it was right when I took her helmet off and he goes, oh, like on the, on the ICS, her, her, all of this was black and her eye was coming out of her socket. Oh, um, what? Yeah. So wow. uh, I was like, I was like, Hey boys, like they had an ambulance ready for us. I was like, we're going right to the trauma center right now. Don't stop don't turn they had uh the life flight going to and that kind of pissed them off because they were hoping to get that mission and i was like no like just keep going we're gonna waste time turning her over uh so i gave her i gave her versed uh ketamine and then we started uh hyperventilating her a little bit she was compensating like pretty well um <clears throat> we didn't have end title at the time like we do like we have the emma caps now yeah, but I nice. put her, I put her, I put her on the uh, nasal cannula, and her end title was like, she was self self hyperventilating, and her end title was like thirty seven, and her pressure was like one sixty. So I was like, all right, you have a head thing, but like you're not herniating, so like, cool. So we got yeah. access, gave her meds. Com once we calmed her down, her pressure came down a little bit, but she got like one hundred and thirty ketamine over the whole trip, and then she got five of her said. Wow. Uh, and then turned her over, but it was just, <clears throat> we finished that call and then we had to go back and get the rescuers cause they got stuck on this like pinnacle they couldn't get off of. So we had to go back and pick up the, the Chelan County rescue dudes and hoist them out. 
So from, from start to finish, from the day before to then, it was like 28 hours. I think I logged 18 hours of flight time. Holy like consi- like actual flight time. Jeez, so, oh man. yeah, it was it was a good one. Corey, Corey did a phenomenal job. Like that hoist was almost bottomed out because we only have a 200-foot hoist. So, wow. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know out there, so N-Tidal CO2 is measuring the uh, CO2 that's coming out, that's we're breathing out, it's registering on the on the machine. Off the top of my head, ready, Wayne? 35 to 45 is the normal range. Yeah, 30, so yeah go ahead. Yeah, 30, 30, 35 to 45 is your normal. <clears throat> if it's higher than 45, you're either not breathing right, you're acidotic, and if you're uh, – or you're holding on to your waist, and then if you if you have someone with a head injury, you you want those numbers lower because it causes cerebral vasoconstriction, constriction, which limits the amount of blood going to your brain. Yeah. So it's just a good man. way to yeah. I, I'm in medical refresher right now. I'm teaching medical so refresher right now. So I, I, not, yeah, but I was not, gonna say all that. I was yeah, just I'm happy yeah, you were yeah. like you know. <laughs> yeah, it it just flows so freely. Yeah. Ooh, that's awesome. No, yeah, oh, nice. So, it, but I, well, that's, I mean, cause you mentioned, you know, she had an uh, entitled CO2 of about 34, 37. Yeah, 30, 37. Yeah. 37. So, so she, you know she was she's, su- she's in a good spot. Yeah. yeah I think I, I was saying like, you know, th- looking at it now, especially I teach uh, the community that I teach medics in now um, cause I'm an, I'm an instructor. They, uh, you know, like, Hey, <clears throat> pain's a big deal to them but she was in such pain she was taking short breaths so she was hyperventilating herself i, I didn't yeah. need to do it she was doing it for herself um and then when she we gave her the med she kind of calmed down a little bit and her pressure her pressure came down but wow. um nice. yeah i was def- definitely wa- she was walking herself towards getting uh rapid sequence innovation if she would have kept like not doing well we would have rsi her in the bird so wow all right, so the only other thing that, that I want to touch on with this is the fact that you guys used a quick straw. Wow. All right, now, yes. I, I, let, full full disclosure, I was not on scene, okay? I am not yeah. the one making the call, I, but I love to debrief. So I, 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 I believe it is a quick straw. Okay. I was not I, – I believe it was. Uh, I, I have – we have a few, I was up there, I checked in, I became the LPO and then I ended up being the chief up there. I made chief while I was there. Uh, we had like, Oh, yeah, thanks dude. We had like, <clears throat> I don't know, almost 300 rescues while, while, while I was there as a total, as a collective, yeah. as a, a community, <clears throat> 10 of those were DDs with quick drops, holding physical friction on, on the friction adapter, not putting the yeah. diaper strap on. Um, oh. it, it, it works if they're conscious, you know, not, yeah. not a good tool or not. Yeah. I knowing what I know now today, I don't think I would have used that piece of gear. I think I would have used like a like a CMC hot seat or the new LSC. So harness. we didn't have so we didn't have those at the time. And so I the, agree because this is fourteen. It's two thousand fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's old school, uh, but. right two two months after this rescue, uh, we had another theme, and it was the reason. It is one of the reasons that the the CMC has an error worthiness letter um side tangent for people who are interested but we used to have the life-saving rescue vest where you had to slide their legs into it like a diaper oh yeah yeah and then put it over her but her arm was so mangled he didn't want to put it in 
because she had to have both arms in it like this. So she couldn't, she wouldn't be able to be in, in it correctly. Got he it. was able to get the strap underneath her. Right. Uh, we actually induced harm on a chick. Like her, her feedback to us was, I wish you would have put me in the basket or the litter because that the vest hurt her so bad. And then wow. we used to have to cut, the, we used to have to cut them off of people. So we're spending $400 on something that you slip on them and you had to cut it off. And now the CMC harness, it's just, the, it's just enclosed on them. You know, you can undo it and they come out yeah. of it. Yeah. At, at that time, those devices, they were either not approved for flight or they did not exist yet. Right on. <clears throat> So that's one wow. of that's one of the reasons we didn't use it. But yes, I concur. I would have used something vastly different. Yeah, just now, and, and I th I just want to put that out there for everybody else. Yeah. I mean, again, I was not on scene. That was not my call. I didn't. I, you know, you guys know you got the gear in the aircraft, but just just thinking about that with all the injuries that she has, like, whew. Gnarly. Yeah. Gnarly. God, yeah, a good, good job, man. To you and your crew. Yeah. Freaking badass. Yeah. Pilots, cr right. pilots, pilots crushed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do the fact that you, even the tail, the tail kicking out because you get the downdraft, you get to fly out of that. You know, how many yeah. accidents have we seen from different videos of all of a sudden an aircraft comes into a mountain too close, downdraft takes them out of the air into the mountain. There's just that. there's that one floating around the internet right now that uh, that Huey coming in on that pinnacle, you know, and like oh yeah, comes in flares and tail rear authority gone, you know. Totally. All right, let's go to the next one, dude, because I'm digging this already. Here we yeah. go. The President of the United States takes pleasure in presenting the Navy and Marine Corps Medal to Hospital Corpsman First Class Wayne Papalski for service set forth in the following. Citation. For heroism while serving as Naval Hospital Oak Harbor as a search and rescue corpsman on board Rescue 75, a Navy 860 helicopter. On November 15, 2014, Captain Papalski and his crew were launched for an emergency search and rescue mission involving an injured skier disabled on the face of Mount Shushkin. At tremendous risk of his own life, Pedro Papalski repelled 200 feet from the helicopter to the ground, braving the harsh elements, including dangerously high winds, freezing rain, and sub-zero temperatures. In the pitch black covered in darkness, he traversed over 100 yards across a perilous landscape, navigating through swift water, flowing ice or uneven terrain, icy rocks, and fallen trees to reach the critically injured survivor, all while battling the freezing cold and his own debilitating hypothermia. Once on scene, Pedestrian Popalski provided immediate life-saving treatment to stabilize his patient and then carried the incapacitated skier on his back over the same extremely dangerous terrain from where he had come to reach the safe extraction point. After being hoisted 195 feet and back into the helicopter, Pedestrian administered the expert medical care that most assertedly saved the life and limb of the severely injured patient. By his courage and prompt actions in the face of great personal risk, Pedestrian prevented the loss of life thereby reflecting great credit upon himself and upholding the highest traditions of the United States Naval Services. Wayne, what the? Bro, yeah, this is the same it, year. It's the same year, yeah. A couple months later. A couple months later, yeah. We had some good ones in between there, but this one was uh, 
I, I will forever remember this case um, and remember the, the look on this kid's face, but uh, it, was, it was late. Um, the sheriff called my phone. I won't say his name because of what he does uh, now, but uh, he, he called. We have a phenomenal relationship with the sheriffs up there, and this was in Whatcom County. He calls. He goes, hey, Wayne. Uh, what are you doing? I was like, I'm giving my kids a tub right now. It's, it's almost bedtime, but I'm like, I'm like, you know, putting water on their head. You know, they're like three, ah, three and four. Little bubble and, bath uh, going on. Yeah, bubble little bath. Little rubber yeah. duckies floating all around. That's exactly what happens. He goes, he goes, hey, I got this dude uh, calling, saying his buddy fell. Uh, they they were they were cross country skiing, and I guess they were coming back, and like there was like a small, not a landslide, but the entire what they were walking on shifted off the side of a cliff. So either the snow moved or they Dang. lost their trail. They they were following like I think they were following a game trail and like they just walked off a cliff. Um, but he said, "Hey, he 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 heard this guy screaming in pain and he hasn't heard him anymore. I think he's dead." Um, but his his spot beacon is actively going off. You know, can you guys take a look? And I was like, "Yeah, call the ODO and get a submission number and we'll like you know we'll go." And I pre I prepped the crew and told them what was going on and then. Uh, and they, uh, I, I remember we flew out there. I, we were all like, we're picking up a dead body boys. You know what I mean? I'm like, mm. it's, it's freezing cold. We like Google earthed it, like where he was, it was like a waterfall thing. And he's like, right where the spot beacon was, was a waterfall. So I'm like, either he's dead or he's frozen, you know, or he's, or he's drowned. And, uh, sure shit, man. <laughs> we like get into the hover. We're like doing a pass and we see a light and like an arm like this oh my god like the like in my mind at the time it was like the fly like help me like like <laughs> like this and uh i was like i like i couldn't even like i was like dude he's alive like i just like pointed and like grabbed so the same dude who went down on the hoist Corey hedges he was my crew chief for this flight um wild guy wild guy so he's he's like you know giving vectors calling them in coming into a hover and right right at the time we came in on a hover we saw a fire literally at the top of where uh like a small campfire like where this was that was the guy who called wow. <clears throat> so we see him the guy in this in this ravine moving i see the dude over here he's not injured i'm like hey Corey, put me down on the ground uh right here and we we have at whidby and some of our other inland commands we have the ability to repel 250 feet and we can, and another smaller repel line and we can hoist. And uh, this can be a whole diatribe with, with other people. I know you had Rob on here a little bit ago yeah. and I loved, I love talking with him. Um, and in technical wooded terrain, it's unsafe to be hoisted sometimes because you have no, you have no control of your descent. Yeah. And, uh, clobbering the radios when the pilots are making adjustments is 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 unsafe rm and crm so we we control our own descent so and then plus on nods like the terrain is never what it seems so i was like hey let me repel and if it doesn't work short haul me to that clearing and then hoist me up so we're like cool so i hoisted down and i'm i'm like or i mean i repelled down and i'm like the i we did a bag list so the bag the bag's on me and like i'm almost out of rope i'm like holy shit, this is a, this is a long rappel. It was about, it was a little over 200 feet and, uh, got on the ground and I was about 30 yards away from him. Uh, 
but to get to him, I had to climb around him up these like water rocks and like scale a fallen tree and then come back down. So it, it was a little bit farther. But just imagine being in a very, very narrow 10 meter to like ravine, <clears throat> rock yeah. wall on either side, either side yeah. of you, and you're in a, you're in a flowing river. That's what we were in. And it was oh November with snow, snow and ice. Uh, and Mount Shuxton is right next to Mount Baker in the North Cascades. <clears throat> she looks like the Matterhorn a little bit. Okay. And uh, all of that water is glacier water. It's just up 2,000 feet above you is a glacier, and it's literally just waterfalls down there. So it was it was pretty cold. It took me a bit to get to them. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Everything that I did was unsafe. Like 100, like looking back now as a dad and <laughs> like like replaying that in my mind, should not have done that. Probably should have got a ground crew to come in and rappel in behind him. But like climbing up in your flight and rescue gear, icy, jagged rocks, trying to like crag those and boulder those rocks. Not not where you want to be when Jesus comes kind of thing. So I, oh my uh, gosh. I ended up making it to him. He was sitting in a watering hole freezing cold water couldn't move um like hey bud what's up he was like barely talking i was like let's get you out of that water like just being all calm you know yeah picked him up put him i I laid my med bag down set out like uh some gear for him to sit on sat him on the med bag cut some of his clothes off and then i put him in a space blanket uh had real nasty nasty lacerations to his leg he had his like Kelly boots on and they, they completely ripped off of his leg and, and sliced his foot open. Oh. Um, but the water was so cold. He wasn't bleeding. So his oh, foot was nice. just, yeah, his foot was just sitting in it. And once we went to, it came out of the water and it instantly started bleeding. So, uh, we, I got him out of that, <clears throat> did a quick trauma assessment. His nose was broken uh he had some lax on his head he was cold dude like <clears throat> i got a a rectal temp on him in the aircraft and the rectal temp on him in the aircraft was 88 so oh my i don't know Lord. i don't know what it was sitting in the water um or just sitting down there and he's like it's like sea spray you know waterfall spray on him and yeah. like you know everybody <clears throat> falling, out there 88 I, is really really cold yeah but I, to have a core temperature of 88 that's not good <clears throat> The doctor asked me how he was alive, and I was like, "Ask him, dude. I don't, I don't know. Like, ask him. Will to live? I don't know. He's he's he was seventeen at the time, so you know, he he the body could take a lot, but uh, lifted him up out of there. We did bring the uh, the rescue vest this time. Uh, hey. I, I I slipped them in. The, I slipped them in the vest. I got it on, and I was like, "Hey, Corey, I'm ready for pickup." And he's like, "He's like, stand by. I'm mid hoist right now." So they were hoisting the other guy out, like right at that time. I couldn't hear anything but waterfall in there. And we have a, a really good radio system. So I was I was hearing him, but I couldn't hear the helo off off uh, Peltors. And uh, he's like, hey, coming back in, ready for pickup. Um, cover him up. We're going to hoist to you, turn your strobe on. I turned my strobe on, my helmet on. And then he like immediately, like, hey, I can't get to you. He's like, where, where you're at, there's no way to get the bird to you. Um, and the trees are 100 feet above you, and you're about 90 feet down where you're at. Holy shit. So uh, they would have had to re-rig another rappel rope and drop it down to me, and then I would have, like, we'd have to clip in for a short haul. But even yeah. then, 
the trees were over us, there was no way to get the rope to drop the rope down to us. Wow. So I was like, Hey, I'll move. Uh, and I looked at him, I was like, Hey, can you walk? And he was like out at this point, like just not, he was just sleeping. Like he was like, and I like, uh, alert to painful stimuli. So I picked him up and put him on my back and fireman carried him down that same fucking terrain that I had just climbed up and, uh, fell in chest deep freezing water uh foot slipped fell in chest deep freezing water kept him out of the water and i i I talk about hypothermia when i teach this to people like i know we have cold weather training in alaska and the coast guard has their own stuff that instant feeling of water that is below freezing that cannot freeze because it's moving too fast is like getting stabbed in the chest with a sharp knife it was it was the most excruciating pain i've ever had in my life and uh, I had him on my back, fell in the water, and then went down to this other spot that I, I'm looking at it. I thought that the bird can get to me. Corey gets on the radio. More bad news. Like, hey, bud, can't get to you. And I'm like, <laughs> you're really, you're really killing me here, bud. So I, Corey, I still, Corey, come on, yeah. Corey. I'm like, Corey, let's get it together, dude. So I, I, <laughs> I had my strobe on, and I. I was like, Hey, where do you want me to go? I can't go any farther down. There's a waterfall. Um, I can, I can, cause I can see it. Like I, it looks and it drops off and he's like, yeah, don't go that way. Can you come about 20, 20 yards behind you and then walk to the other side of the ravine? And I said, yeah, I can do that. And I was like, it's pretty deep water. So just like keep an eye on me kind of deal. Uh, and like guide me. And he's like, yeah, got you. So they're off over the waterfall in a hover, like a hoagie looking at me. Yeah. So I I have him back on my back and I have to go back into that spot that I just like went chest deep water in. And I was like oh. psyching myself up. I'm like, let's yeah, do it, boys. Let's like, go. Let's do <laughs> like, let's do it. And I had to like, it's so be- before I slipped and fell in. So it was a surprise. Now I'm like talking myself up in my head to like go back into that. And uh, I was just like, just go. So I just jumped in and uh, got stabbed in the chest again. And uh, it was so painful, dude. Like, and if you're a man, you know exactly where I'm talking about where it was painful. It was yeah, terrible. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I made it over to that spot and I, I'm like, Corey, clear for hoist, send the hoist down. He's like, yep, coming to you. So he's in a hover. He's, if you ever talked to him, he had a, a, a tip of a tree right next to the main mount, uh, like, t- like barely touching the main mount, which is, and then the pilot had a visual of one about a half a disc out of the rotor arc eye level with him holding a phenomenal hover, right? So like Corey's got a good visual, pilot's got a great visual. And he's like bottoming the hoist out and the hoist stops. He's like, oh, I got a hoist failure. And he's like looking up at looking to see if he's got caution lights and like looking over, checks the lights. And he's like, I got a hoist failure, but the hoist goes up. He goes, ah, oh, no, I bottomed the hoist out. I don't have a hoist failure. I'm like, dude, the hook, the, the, I'm on the ground. The hook is right here. Yeah. Like, like uh, right, I level you, I, uh, you, you I need level. two feet. You need two freaking feet. I need two oh. feet. So I was like, I fuck Corey, what can you do? Uh, She's like, hey, let me let me try doing this other this other thing. It was a little bit higher than I. It was like just above my head. So okay. he he, um, I hear this on the radio. So he 
He goes back, back the bird up three, two, one. All right, don't freak out. Your tail's resting against a tree. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. But so he, this, this is exactly how he talks. So on, on the left side of the bird, because our our tail rotor's on the right, there was a tree there. He used the stab and like gently pushed, pushed it over, and that like gave us the clearance to like move back. And now I stepped up on a perch, and now the hook was just about chin level, not enough for me to clip in. So I clipped him into the hook. I daisy chained his his uh um D or his D link, clipped yeah. him in, and then I clipped into him, which is 180 of what the pub says to do. Oh, I yeah, clip, 100%. he clips to me. So yeah. he clipped in, and then I clipped. It. So he was the mom, and I was the dad, kind of thing. Like someone's yeah. gotta be the mommy, someone's gotta be the dad. So secured him, and then ready for pickup. And Corey, we sh we short hauled out to pull power. Because uh, the the pot didn't want to be hoisting that whole time next to that tree, so they short hauled me out until I was clear of that tree, and then he he reeled me in, and then honestly, like in the bird, there was no real medical care other than warm IV fluids, got him in an HPMK or a hypothermia management kit, and then uh, I I checked his his rectal temp. When we got to the hospital, I kind of like hyped out a little bit. So we did the turnover and then like, they were looking at me like, you don't look good. And I was like, I don't feel, I don't feel so good. And, uh, <laughs> they, they, they took me out of my gear and, uh, Corey remember Corey and my pilot remember this. And they went to go, they wanted my ID to like load me in the computer system to like, just load me as a patient. And they opened my wallet and my wallet was frozen and it ripped my cat card, the plastic off my cat card. Oh, got to my my 25 minutes after the flight my fucking wallet was still frozen wow. so uh that's how that's how cold it was uh but yeah he did a full recovery family was air force they came and visited us he had like some some issues with his nose he had to get like a, a surgery for his nose but full recovery and then uh yeah we, we he became we called that mission papsicle because he was he was he was frozen <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. But we were so we were joking about training earlier. So we finished that mission, you know, like you know, you and your boys always talk. All your 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 rescue swimmer classmates, you always talk. Whether you hate them or you like them, you always like rub rub dirt on it. And I texted Ryan and my other buddy and I was like I was like, Clayton Beast is never gonna let me live this down. I just fireman carried a dude hundred yards on my back for a rescue. And they were like, shut they were like, shut the hell up, dude. Because he'd always be like, you never know when you got a fireman carry someone out of some burning woods, you know. And like it, it just was it was funny, dude. But uh, oh, awesome. yeah, it was a good one. It was a really good one. Wow, well done to you and your crew. Yeah, yeah. crew crush Corey. I tell people this all the time, I'm like they like read that award in front of me and like, they were like, Hey, do you have any comments? And I was like, Corey had just saved my life. Like point blank. Don't give a shit about me. Best crew chief. We have Corey hedges. If wow. he didn't move that bird, dude, I don't know how we would have, they would have had to send a ground crew in to get us. Cause there was no way to, to get out. So Jeez. it was wild. Yeah. They crushed it. <laughs> Put the yeah. Don't, don't freak tree. out. Don't, don't freak out. Your tail's resting against the tree. Shit, Corey. <laughs> it, it was one of those moments where it's like, hey, I want to see this, but I don't want to flip my nods down because I don't want to see it. So I'm just throwing <laughs> my nods up. So, yeah. I just left them up. So, yeah. Wow.
Man, well done. Well done to you and the entire crew. Yeah, crew crushed it. Yeah, they crushed Gosh. it. Corey crushed it. The other dude was uninjured too. They it was just a like a 180 foot hoist to get him out of those trees. So still 180 foot hoist. But did they yeah. just send a basket down to go get him or uh for him they did, we had another vest. So oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Woo. Freaking badass, man. All right. I'm gonna get I'm gonna go to the next one. Cause this is kind of cool. So you, um, I, I, you and your crew earned a Naval, uh, the Naval NHA Naval Helicopter Association award in 2015 for region one, uh, non-deployed. So here's the write-up hospital corpsman, first class, Wayne Papowski, uh, United States Navy for service set forth in the following citation for sustained superior airmanship while operating firewood 91, assigned to Naval Air Station Woodby Island Search and Rescue on 14 and 15 June of 2015. The crew of Firewood 91 demonstrated exceptional courage and tenacity in their search and rescue efforts following a distress call from a stranded and critically injured climber who had fallen down a cliff near Colchuck Lake, Chelan County, Washington. Undeeded by obstacles, the crew demonstrated superior skill and technical capacity during an extraordinary nighttime rescue, high altitude in close proximity to vertical rock cliff, which left zero margin for error. Despite the perilous conditions and aircraft limitations while operating in the surf, the crew of Firewood 91 safely and successfully executed the rescue where other rescue crews' aircrafts could not. The crew of Firewood 91, outstanding airmanship, devotion, and duty reflect great credit upon themselves and were keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Naval Helicopter Association. Bro, awesome. Got it. Dude, this, dude, I love this. Yeah. Stuff. Dude, this, yeah. I, I, it's funny. Like, a lot of the guys in the community know me. Like, I don't tout these a lot. Uh, I'm more, I'm one of our like senior peers in our community now. Like, you know, you, you, you survived your way up. So for but the record, I, 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 most I, of I, us I don't talk about this and yeah, I, I have to yeah. drag it out of every one of you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I don't like, they sit in a book and they're there and I, yeah. I don't, I don't go, oh, Hey, look what I have, you know, and I hate wearing my uniform. Uh, but hearing them, I'm like, Oh, that's fucking cool, dude. Like <laughs> that's, we did that. Yeah. We right. did that. Uh, that's why I love reading I had, this stuff. I love you. I, I had to look. I had to look this one up because I, I, it was just in there, and I didn't, I didn't remember reading it or having it. Uh, this was, it was very technical. It was very wild. But what happened twenty four hours after was even was even crazier. We just got told go pick this guy up right now. Like <clears throat> that's all we got. Uh, ODO called us. He was like, go pick this dude up right now. Um, this is where he's at. Just Google Colchuck Lake. It is one. It is the number one hiking spot besides Rattlesnake Ledge and like Western Washington in the Puget Sound or in the Cascades, I should say, because it's not in Puget Sound. People travel all over just to go to this fucking lake and take pictures. Wow. Uh, and there's there's another right above the lake is Asgard Pass, right? So like Asgard, uh, be- beautiful crag bouldering, just near vertical, like literally climbing up a ladder um awesome this dude he he was uh he put an anchor in a little he fell dislocated his knee he was on a a, like a a pinnacle um 
got to him. It was like Lear, Lear Rockface, but he was like on like the the Lion King, you know, holding Simba out. Like that's what the, this pinnacle looked like. Okay. But it had, it had it had a good arch to it, um, a good slope to it, I should say. And he had he had an anchor in uh, with some flat rope holding him. He was like in his harness, being held in by that anchor. Uh, so our our SOP is if you have a harness, I'm clipping into the harness. Like oh, I'm not yeah. putting you in anything else. It's there, right? Sure. That's what it, like it's. And I'll I'll look at it, and and I always bring a vest with me. But I'll look at it, and I'm like, oh shit, you know, it's still intact. It, it takes a lot for a harness to get chopped up and not like be usable. So, uh, we tried to hoist directly down to him, but there was like near vertical rock face. So we were able to hold the hover about ten feet over him. So like from where he's laying, the he was eye level with the cabin, uh, but the blades were like ten feet above him. Wow, so okay. he's like he's like looking up mid river arc, um, and I hoisted down, and I had to I stayed attached to the hoist the entire time, uh, so like a DD, but I climbed up to him, uh, and got to him, and he was conscious, like hey, what's up, dude? Uh, he's like get me the fuck out of here. I was like Roger that. Uh, it's like love it like, dude i love it if if uber was around i'd be like did you call it uber you know like i always like to mess with them you know and uh <laughs> i clipped into him he i clipped into him and i was like hey i like i got on the radio i was like hey i'm clipped uh when you're ready to hoist i want you to pull power and pull me away from the rock wall because i didn't want to slide off the rock i wanted to like short haul up and away to the left <clears throat> Um, but he was still attached to the wall and his anchor was like beyond my reach. So I said, Hey, you're about to go on a roller coaster ride. It's going to be wild. <laughs> and I think I said something like, it's like a sex swing, but don't think like that. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, he like looked at me and I took my knife out and I, I cut the flat rope and we just like flew away. Um, we just offset off the wall and we like swung a little bit. They came into a 20 foot or a 20 knot, uh, creep stabled out and then like hoisted us up. Love he it. was fine, man. I gave him a little bit of pain meds. I think I gave him like fentanyl because um, fentanyl works phenomenal for orthopedic stuff. And uh, we always used to drop them off and like call, call to get like an update. Like, hey, you know, they, the nurses love like anytime the Coast Guard and the Navy comes in, they're like, oh, you know, so like they, Love we it. would always call and be like, hey, call and be like, hey, you know, can I get a patient status update? And <clears throat> the nurse was like, hey, we don't have a patient here by that name. And I was like, well, I know you do because I just dropped them off 30 minutes ago. And she said, listen, the only way patients uh, are unregistered out of our system and we hold records for 20 years is if they pass away or someone physically removed them from the computer system. And I said, oh, well, I know you didn't pass away. So interesting. A week later, I get a letter from the U.S. Marshal Service saying, thank you for rescuing our dude. Uh, he's totally fine and we appreciate everything you did for us. So oh, uh, snap. that's badass, dude. Yeah, so I don't know what they were doing. Not my not not whatever, but uh yeah, we we picked up a marshal. Um and that explains the reason why they literally like go get him right now. Like go. So yeah, I got got a letter from the US Marshal Service, like, hey, thanks for rescuing me. Appreciate it. I was like, I didn't even know. I was like, what the fuck is the marshals doing climbing, dude? You know what I mean? Like, All right. 
yeah it's classified so, sir we can't tell you yeah, that yeah roger that you know <laughs> yeah oh dude like, that's sick yeah like, so yeah it was pre- it was pretty cool he was he wasn't that injured i just we had to climb to get him and then uh you know we we always would come up with stuff on the fly as long as it was safe but like the whole being and then now you know the petzl has that lazard uh, oh beautiful prop- beautiful kit yeah, but that essentially what that what I did or what he, he was tethered into the rock and us cutting it was that device releasing off of the rock wall. Yep. You know, so it's like it's the same thing. So we did we did a rescue like that. Um but yeah, he had all the right gear. So right gear every time saves your life. He had all the right gear. So just clipped daisy chained into him, clipped into my harness, and then cut it and flew off. God. So yeah it was that was it was we call that a gentle in the shop we used to call those gentlemen's rescues because they were like very very non-technical you know yeah that didn't have to bust open the med bag a bunch but yeah but that's not your typical like go out and grab them rescue i mean well usually like they would give us info or like info about the spot beacon or like especially if it's a uh uh in reach beacon like you know we would get the number and we can text them yeah. we got nothing you got a location go pick him up now call us when it's over roger that like <laughs> very yeah black black man in a in a uh or black suit and a tie in the middle of the desert my name yeah. is joe or right, roger yeah. that you know so, yeah and what last name smith roger yeah that. smith yeah oh joe smith yeah <laughs> i know that guy <laughs> yeah yeah met one in nam right yeah yeah 18 yeah oh it was my good. god dude freaking love it all right, I'm going to the next one because I'm loving these. All right. The President of the United States takes pleasure in presenting the Navy and Marine Corps Medal, Gold Star in lieu of second award to Petty Officer First Class, Wayne Papowski. For service set forth in the following, citation for heroism while serving as Naval at Naval Air Station Woodby Island, Washington on 24 January 2016. Petty Officer Papowski's superior leadership unmatched determination, steadfast courage, and incomparable skill in the face of the vast personal danger were critical to the successful rescue of a backcountry skier caught in multiple avalanches, battling below freezing temperatures, unstable ice boulders, near vertical terrain, and the imminent threat to subsequent avalanches, he courageously took charge and rappelled to the position of the stranded, critically injured skier. Immediately assessing the situation as dire, Petty Officer Pabowski found extensive injuries that required the use of a hoisting vest to secure the survivor. Utilization of the vest was extremely difficult due to the patient's size, ski gear, waning consciousness, apparent head injury, and the wet and freezing conditions. Once on board the rescue helicopter, Petty, Petty Officer Pabowski administered critical advanced life support services while suffering from cold-induced lack of dexterity in his own extremities. An exceptional provider, he quickly determined traditional intravenous insertion would not be possible. He quickly performed an intraosseous cannulation utilizing veins in the leg, providing fluids vital to saving the patient's life. By his courageous and prompt actions in the face of great personal risk, Pedro Papowski reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. Bro. 
Uh, I, I'm excited to talk. I'm I'm excited to talk about this one. Uh, it, it is it is sad. Uh, when I kind of get into the story about what happened because some someone passed away. Um, okay. I use this to talk to people about one. When you have bad calls, it's okay to talk about bad shit and get get mental help. Uh, if you're in medicine long enough, you should probably be talking to someone. Uh, Cause you're Absolutely. going to see something that's, that's, that's not right. Uh, and then two, um, I'll, I will send you the link. There's a, there's a video of this. Uh, so we were required to wear it during daytime. We would wear GoPros for QA, QI, uh, for training and real world missions. We would release footage if, if, uh, they would sign a consent form. I have video of this ent entire, entire incident. Um, Wow! Uh, nice. I, I was share. I share it with you. I just asked you not to not to share it with anyone when you see it. So uh, again, like we we have these amazing relationships with you know your local civilian counterparts and uh, one of the Whatcom County uh, or Bellingham Mountain Rescue guys. He works ski patrol on Mount Baker. So this is off of Mount Herman from the parking lot of the ski lot North Lot at Mount Baker. You can see Mount Herman where they where they do uh, their backcountry skiing. And he said, "Hey." Uh, we saw these two guys up on the mountain and then like heard an avalanche and we can't see them anymore. Uh, we're going to, we're going to send you a request for a page. And I said, cool. Um, do me a favor and just call them immediately right now, but have that guy that I told you, I won't give you his name, that sheriff, uh, have him call. And then, cause he, if it comes from a law enforcement officer, it, it's an immediate launch kind of thing. Yep. Cause they're, they're, the, they're the ground <clears throat> or the, on scene commanders. So I said, Hey, just have him call. And then I already prepped the crew. I'm like, yo, there was an avalanche. There was two people probably hurt. And, uh, let's get, let's get the going boys. And, uh, as we were lifting off or, or, or taking off and it's probably about a 20 minute flight for us, like cruise cruising pretty fast. Uh, we got a text message that there was a second avalanche and now they can see them um and it doesn't it doesn't look good is what they told us they can they're both moving uh one of them looks clearly injured and they're they're together so they were they were partially buried and then they got hit with a set or they were they were hit with an avalanche and they were thrown into terrain uh and then they got hit with a second avalanche and then they were exposed in the middle of the mountain wow so i like i like over ics is like hey <laughs> hey homies uh there's another avalanche and it doesn't look good. Um, I'm always, I'm always, I'm always joking, you know, with them. Um, I love and, it. uh, yeah. And our, our two pilots that day, uh, our aircraft commander, uh, she's, she's a great pilot. Uh, she's not in the Navy anymore, but she was like, I'm really concerned with you going down if there's avalanches. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty concerned too. And, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to hoist. I'll repel and you guys maintain tension on the rope. And if you have to, and you see something, just fly away. Like just, oh, short nice. wow. short, just, just short haul me. Dude, so, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. So I was like, just stay on the rope. And then especially because of the, the uneven snow boulders, I was like, I'll, I'll repel. Cause it's, it, so you don't have to keep doing this, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll control my own descent. And, uh, we got into a hover and right as we got into a hover, we saw snow, like a snow cloud. And they, they had just got hit with a third avalanche. Oh, uh, wow. we, we had just missed it coming around, around the corner and uh, saw one guy down at the bottom of the mountain. 
Uh, Ski Patrol is on the radio with us. So uh, our radios are kind of weird. You know, military, UHF, VHF can't pick up some civilian stuff. So we had uh, some aftermarket Motorola radios that had military band and civilian bands on them. Okay. So I was swapping frequencies back and forth, talking with Ski Patrol. And the pilots can hear me talking, but they can't hear their Ski Patrol answering back. So I was like, hey, they got positive visual on the on the one guy. He's partially buried. They can see him with binoculars, but we, we couldn't see him from our angle where he was. And then they had that guy that was kind of like scooching, moving around at the bottom of the mountain. So I said, hey, this guy's moving. This guy's not. Let's go to this guy first. The guy is not moving. So we threw a Mark 18 smoke grenade because uh, it was well deep down into a gully. And we were about like 800 feet above that. And it's two, if you imagine like two ski mountains coming into one bowl. Okay. So we threw the smoke, we threw the smoke to see what the winds were doing at the bottom of that gully. Um, <clears throat> some guys throw streamers, you know, uh, we, th- we threw, sm- we throw a smoke. So we threw a smoke. The winds were pretty calm. Actually, the winds were negligible, like not even existent at that one specific point. And oh, uh, nice. got, yeah, got over top of him and he was, uh, the only thing that I can see was his his right shoulder, part of his face, uh, and his arm out outstretched like this. Everything else was covered in snow. Rep- rappelled down to him, uh, instantly knew, like called it over the radio. Uh, a lot of trauma to the body, uh, pretty cold. Other side of his face that was covered was pretty. Oh, it's just in case the family ever listens. I don't want him. It was pretty bad. So he, he was deceased. He was deceased. Call, yeah. Yeah. Called it over the radio and uh, they marked time that I remember having a quick conversation on the radio. They're like, Hey, do you think it would be easy to get him out? And I, I just said, don't, don't risk it right now. Um, the ground party coming in to get him. Uh, so especially like if we pulled up the Abbey stuff from this day, like it was low risk. It was in the green. It was a, a man triggered avalanche, you know? So it was just going in, asking them to go in after us to recover the body is like, it was unsafe. So I just said, Hey, it's not worth it right now. I, I, I said being physically here and I'll show you the video later. I don't think that you should do it. Um, so then I locked off on the rope and then they, they came into a hover and then brought me back down to where the other guy was and they were separated by maybe a hundred yards, maybe a little more um, down, down the mountain. So they had to pull ascend up and then come down with the bird. Uh, And then from the air, it looked like he had, he had like been vomiting, right? Like there was just yellow stuff all like beyond yellow it looked like yellow and blood like all all like it was a trail following him yeah you, you actually could you could see that in the snow before you could see him it's like clear as day you can see that so we we wow. fo- we followed it and found him when i show you the video you'll, you'll see exactly what i'm talking about and uh got down to him had the vest with me these snow boulders were like the size of volkswagen beagle beetles uh so to like climb up to him get to him a little bit and uh got to him he was posturing significant like injury to his face uh dent in his helmet and he had all these clothes on that didn't fit like they they 
did not look like his size. So he was so hyped out. He had taken the clothes off of the other dude when he went unconscious. So he had his buddy, he, he had his buddy's clothes on him. Um, and he's a, he was a very large human and that guy wasn't. So like, it didn't, it, that's why I was like, what the hell is going on? Like it didn't fit. Um, like if you pay really close attention to the video, like the outside ski pants came up to like mid calf, but he had his own ski pants on, on underneath. Uh, so I got the vest on him. We opted to not do any care on the ground because like, as I was on the ground, like the snow was settling and you could feel like the ground moving. So like, it's like the easiest way to explain this is imagine you're standing on giant Legos and like, you know, you put a Lego on loose and then you finally press it in. You feel it like, like solidify. That's, that's what it felt like on the ground. But we're on top of, we're on top of these boulders and the guys from uh, uh, Bellingham Mountain Rescue were keeping an eye on the northern part of the mountain to see if, or the upper part of the mountain to see if there was another slide because they were just going to like bail, bail, bail on the radio. And I was like, peace, you know, or if I was clipped in, we were, we were leaving. So we were at like maybe 120 feet of rope, put him in the vest. I was on the rappel rope, clipped into him, and then we short hauled out. And then yep. they, we do it, we do an in-flight hoist recovery with, so they send the hoist down, we fake the rope and then go into the bird. Uh, Love it. Love going it. In, go, going into the bird. It, it's a, it, people are like scratching the head. You'd have to see it, but it's a phenomenal way to rescue people. So you just yeah. don't have to get on the ground and then get in the, get in the bird. Um, looking back on this now, like when we used to train, we used to like, ah, oh, I'm going to, put my medical gloves on under my regular gloves so that when I do care, I can just take those gloves off and immediately like touch this person and, and, and I'll have regular gloves. And so I have to sit there like putting medical gloves on. I was sweating so much down there that my hand, I had like chill glands in between my glove and my hand because the moisture in my glove froze. So oh, I like was no. trying, I was trying to like, I was trying to like pull the glove off. So when I got in the bird, they put him on the litter or they put him on the deck. We couldn't get the litter rigged. Uh, we couldn't get the litter situated quick enough because all the rope that was faked out, okay. um, all the belay rope. So I, I was trying to undo my carabiners to start working on them. And I had no dexterity. My fingers were like crimped like this and frozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, I was like, yo, fucking, uh, he's like, Danny, help me, help me right now. So I had to have the crew chief like disconnect my carabiners, but they, we didn't have approved twist locks at the time. Um, So we still had screw gate at, at the time they were not making good twist lock metal carabiners. Uh, And for aviation, we only used steel because the hook is steel. Yeah. And there's a lot of science behind this. And I've had, I've had people like, that's not true. And then they think about it. I'm like, okay, that is true repeated use of aluminum carabiners and a steel hook caused micro fractures in aluminum carabiners so the the uh, that they could break and it, it happened to the canadians a couple times the comox dudes they actually had someone die like that so we only use steel carabiners so the steel was frozen like the wow. moisture in the in the yeah. screw lock so he had to like bang them a little bit and like you know gam gam sausage like warm it up you wow, know and, and, wow and he finally gets the carabiners off and I like get everything off my, I'm like going like this with my hands and like trying to like warm them up. So at, at this time and in the video, so 
the the dude he was he he was his eyes were open i would say he was not alert i gave him a glass calcoma scale of about nine uh nine nine or ten and in halfway up he started doing this like joker smile thing like like half of his face was drooped the other half was doing this weird smile his one eye was fixated one wasn't one pupil was super constricted one was starting to like open up some and he had a he had a significant dent on his helmet and i was like all right uh, no other trauma noted. Like chest wall was good, belly soft, non tender, pelvis was stable. And uh, all, the only reason I like instantly remembering this is I just taught a class about traumatic brain injury the other day, and yeah. I showed people this. I showed people this video, so it's like fresh in my mind. But uh, awesome. he had all, he had all those clothes on. I just IO'd him. I was like, "Fuck this! Like I don't have time for this. I don't have time to start an IV." I owed him, flushed him with ketamine. So he screamed for like a second and then like the ketamine hit and he didn't care about the bone plug anymore. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, I owed him, we got warm fluids going. And, and at that time, right before I pushed the ketamine, he started doing like having episodes of like Trismus, like biting down on his jaw, like really hard. And he was uh, like, yeah, yeah, like spitting, but not really breathing. So I just looked at everyone in the bird and I was like, hey, we're RSI in this guy, like right now. Um, so rapid sequence induction. He has an obvious traumatic brain injury. Uh, we're gonna put him down. And I'm a paramedic with an EMT. And usually like you would want more than that. Um, my crew chief, at, at the time, my Hira was an EMT, or I flip flares. My Hira was going through EMT school. My crew chief was an EMT. So I said, hey, you guys bag him, get him on the monitor. I'm gonna draw some drugs up. So drew up 150 of ketamine for my induction agent and 10 of, we had VEC, VEC uranium. So I drew up 10 of VEC yep. and uh, we had warm fluids going at the time, uh, cut all the rest of his clothes off. I tried to like drop an NPA, but he was, he was fighting it a little bit. And uh, you know, you can give NPAs to people with head injuries. The only contraindication is like an obvious Lafort fracture, which he, he didn't, he didn't have. He was fighting me a you little really bit. You really are in training right now. This is great. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I'm, I've, I've been a paramedic a long time. You know, like it, civ- civilian world. I, I moonlight, so I, I work as a civilian, and uh, I've been a flight paramedic. But uh, we're in the mid- in the middle of our SEAL medic refresher class. I got like 25 SEALs. We're doing a, a medic refresher for, and um, I was like, yeah, like let's let's just put them down. So. <clears throat> I induced right as I started to like push the ketamine, we were like coming over uh, the helipad for the hospital. It, it's a 15 minute flight to the closest trauma center or a level two trauma center. He really should have gone to Harborview in Seattle, but actually where he went, I'm glad he went to uh, St. Joe, St. Joe's the name of the hospital in Bellingham. They have a hypothermic ICU oh, for, wow. for, brain in, for, for brain injuries. Did not know that at the time. When I dropped him off, I thought they were going to send him to Harborview. He ended up staying there for his whole care and made a full recovery. But he, uh, we dropped Amazing. him off and, and dispatch was like, hey, we don't have an ambulance for you right now. So you got, you got to wait. So the, we're, as we're like flying over, doing just a quick survey of the LZ, and we, all, we did there because there was cars over there. And we always used to break windshields when we landed. <laughs> so we were like, let's just make sure there's, there's not a lot of cars there. So uh, we, we've broken a few, more than a few. But, uh, it happens. Don't park. Don't park next to the 
helicopter pad. Duh. Hey, you know, you know what? Walk <laughs> a couple of steps further. And if I see a if I see a wind if I see a windsock in the parking lot, I might park a little farther away, right? So, <laughs> so we were landing. I just pushed the ketamine. Uh, he did he did not relax a little bit, and I'm not a fan of innovating on the induction agent. I will I will fully paralyze them. I know some providers will check to see. Um, so we landed and then I pushed the VEC. So the innovation happened in the back of the helicopter, but it didn't happen in flight. Um, someone called me out about that one time. I was like, okay, all right, I'll explain it correctly. So, Oh good uh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It's dumb, dude. But, uh, I, we pushed the VEC jaw relaxed. Uh, we used the video laryngoscope to innovate them. Um, nice. we have, we have them in the, in the bird. Uh, in the video, you can see the glottic opening perfect. He was a he was a, a real easy innovation. He, however, he was very he very anterior, so he was very the tube was almost buried to the hub. Wow, he was, he was pretty deep. Yeah, he was like twenty five or twenty six at the teeth, maybe twenty seven. So, so for uh, everybody that doesn't know, on the tube, there's little numbers there, and it just shows how deep the tube is into the trachea, and then where the balloon yeah. is, and then you mark it at the teeth. So. Then you walk in and be like, all right, doc, kids where we're at. The other thing it does, yeah. one more sorry, side note of it, is the deeper you are, you end up in the uh right right, right main right, stem. Yeah, the right main stem of the lung. So that means you're only breathing in one lung. So you want to back it off a little bit. But if you're deep like that, it, you know, you're there's a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you check lung sounds and equal yep. rise and fall and all this stuff. But 26 is is pretty deep for a tube, for those that don't know. Yeah, so he he was deep and like I thought I might have maintenance stemmed him, but I had just saw the tube pass through the cords and I was like, there's no way. There's not there's like there's absolutely no way. And I looked at the teeth and I was like, all right, fuck it. So pulled the glide scope <laughs> out, uh, inflated the bulb, great end title, and then we just started bagging him to 30 to 35, uh, to start hyperventilating him. His pressure was 180s at the time. So he was like the brain was squeezing like his brain was under some pressure um but we we turned him over and then i dropped him off inside the er and they gave uh they immediately started this like hypothermia brain injury protocol so like i was warming him <laughs> they they started cooling him oh so, wild yeah yeah so they it they did this whole like thing and then uh dropped them off um turn them over yeah turn them over and then we went back and then a couple of days later we 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 physically went up there to to do a check on him and met met his wife and uh full recovery no still kidding. still still a local up there i get some pictures every once in a while of some of my buddies who are out of the military now who live up there and they're like oh look who i ran into and i was like oh shit have a beer for me uh but yeah his his his, his buddy uh unfortunately didn't didn't survive and uh, that's too bad. Yeah. So, but uh, they they recovered the body the next day. We like laid out some pretty good um, uh, lat longs for them. We had the pilots mark the lat long and the bird so we can give them a good grid reference of exactly where he is so they can navigate their their hike to him without having to cross any other unstable terrain. So they were able to recover the body the next day. And yeah. Wow. Freaking amazing. Yeah, it was a that was not technical. Uh, it was like an easy, easy rescue to rescue him, but like medically, like that is zero to 100 real quick. And then, uh, 
going going back to that i told you about that that snow that was covered yellow yeah. and uh yeah. so it, it was not vomit it was uh it was shit and oh we found i found that out when we when we cut the vest off of them in the aircraft we cut the the rescue vest off them i had brought my hand to like touch the radio and i was like what the fuck is that and uh think back to because you're i know you're a medic so like think back to like when you did rotations uh in a trauma center and they used yeah. to do the whole check for rectal tone uh yeah. and the sphincter so loss of rectal tone is a true brainstem injury so he had no vagal tone in his ass oh, and he yeah. was just just leaking everywhere so oh my gosh uh, yeah i wouldn't yeah. even thought of that even even now so so i was on the fence I was on the fence about intubating him. Everyone's like, yeah, I'll intubate in the back of the bird. It is not easy, especially in the back of a 60. Yeah. Uh, so we, it, I was on the fence when I knew that he had a brain stem injury. It put that peg to, I'm doing this no matter what. So, um, yeah. So. Bro, that is yeah. awesome. Yeah, so it, was, it was a good is a good case there's a lot of stuff after that like i talk about the bad calls stuff like do not be afraid to yeah. go talk to someone you know like yeah. it, it was uh hit how his his injury pattern looked like a case that i had in afghanistan and i just yeah i needed to go talk to someone after that and i started seeking out mental health so don't be afraid <clears throat> for anyone to go get mental health yeah uh, man, I, I, I back that up and, and you know what, anybody can send me an email too. Like, like how being able to just talk about it and to be able to talk to people that can relate is a, is a something that's really nice. Like that peer to peer support, you know, Keith Carolyn yep. talks about it from uh, Ireland all the time. You know, we're, we're all available. We really are. Yeah. Yep. And I, 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 whether it's a peer, a professional or someone you've never met before. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to talk yeah. to someone. So. Yeah. It's all good, man. We've been there. Yeah. All of us have been there. In your shoes, yeah. what you're feeling right now, we've been there. So we can relate. Yep. We can, we understand. So There's a chapter of a book that someone's written that you're walking through right now. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 100%. <clears throat> yep. yep. Without a doubt. So, and some of us yep. made it through and some of us didn't. But uh, yep. my wife still calls me a little crazy. She looks at me like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that weird tick about you right now. It'll be fine. It'll go away. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Mostly, it's when I'm grabbing her ass. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I, nothing. yeah. honey, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, honey. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Let's do our last one, and then uh, and then we'll close out of here in a minute. So this one um, is pretty cool because so. Navy Regional Northwest. The President of the United States takes pleasure in presenting the Air Medal with gold, uh, gold numeral one for the first award. Wait a minute, I thought you already earned a, earned a Air Medal. Yes. So, uh, this is act. This is actually my. This is like my fourth, third, or fourth. Two were from combat, but uh, uh. the Navy up the Navy updated their awards instruction. And okay. so the, the first one said with first bronze star. So bronze star used to be individual heroic achievement or, okay. or a V right in the, right when this was signed, everything's numerals now. So they like screwed up everyone's award system of how they like got stuff. So everyone had to go like resubmit stuff to admin. So yeah, it's, it's just, 
it's a typo <laughs> that they made. Spam, it was a it's a fit rep bullet for some officer somewhere so fantastic yeah. love it love it yeah well in that case you know what we're just gonna i'm gonna read that again and everybody gets to hear the whole thing again here we go yeah the president of the united states takes pleasure in presenting the air medal and i'm gonna stop right there to chief hospital corpsman wayne and Pulaski, united states navy for service set forth in the following citation for Mary's achievement while participating in aerial flight as search and rescue medical technician at Able Nair Station, Woodby Island, Washington, on 6 August 2017. Chief Pulaski and crew successfully responded to a challenging hazardous mountain rescue at an altitude of 8,500 feet mean sea level on Mount Stewart in the Cascade Mountain Range, Washington. His superior leadership and medical acumen were critical in the successful rescue of a severely injured and unconscious climber stuck in a deep draw surrounded by jagged rock spires and rugged terrain. Despite poor visibility and limited power, he evaluated the unforgiving landscape and precarious position of the climber to devise the safest plan. With a 0% margin for error, he provided positioning calls while assisting the crew chief in extracting the survivor. Once the survivor was on board, he performed and directed the medical team on executing critical advanced life support services. Based on the treacherous terrain and environment, uh, environmental conditions, as well as high altitudes, no other air or ground assets in the entirety of the Pacific Northwest could have reached or extracted the climber in time. By his skillful airmanship, steadfast aggressiveness, and exemplary devotion to duty in the face of hazardous flying conditions, Chief Pulaski reflects great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. Yeah, Wayne! Dude, this is Dude. freaking sick! Uh, th this was... It, this is a wild call. Um, we had the Dream Team on duty... So we had two two pilots who are both SAR mission commanders. Uh, we had our crew chief, uh, Francisco Toledo, phenomenal dude, uh, reservist now, uh, out doing some stuff in, in Tucson, um, EMT. And then we had my, my buddy, Austin Shutt, flight paramedic, me, flight paramedic. And then we had a training flight paramedic on. So we were, we were dual hatting. <laughs> we were dual hatting duties because we were short hires. So we had two flight paramedics and then we had the trainee. Um, Love it. Love and EMT it. And, and three paramedics, right? So uh, like I was saying, Mount Stewart, Wild Mountain, um, we were, it, it was very hot. We had to fly at 10,000 feet to get there because we were flying over all the fires uh, oh, in, the, in the summer that year. So like there was a very hazy, it was an hour before sunset. Uh, in I have a small like video clip of this too because it was like daytime and then it went night and then like you, you can't see shit so it's like a minute long video but uh we were we had to dump gear dump fuel and then Toledo not not out to him but the calls were so technical that he was having trouble telling the pilots because we were within like feet of the rock wall like the rotor disc was like the tip caps were like within feet and the yeah. tail was the tail was pretty close too. So we were we were 
he was having trouble hoisting and making hoist calls because we opted to do a direct appointment. And uh, we, 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 we kind of like Rochambeau in the bird. So I, I was the addition to the crew. Um, it was just going to be the two of them. And then I was the addition for duty that weekend. And uh, Austin went down to recover him. So he did a direct deployment, but like it, it, I was just stayed in the bird. So we, uh, I said, Hey, Franny, let me, Francisco, I was like, Hey, let me, you do the hoist since you're running the hoist and I'll make all your directional calls. Cause I'm a crew chief as well. So I was like, I'll make all your directional calls. So I assumed control with the pilots. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, I got all, I have all controls. The pilots just do everything. And then he's got the hoist. So he's giving hoist calls. Doesn't have to pick his head up to look at the rock wall at all. Looking down. We had uh, the assist medic looking at or our dude who was in training. He was out the left side, ensuring that, we would have an out if we started to droop power, like give us directional calls, clear into the left. Nice. And we had our pot, we had our left seat pot. So then I'm just giving directional calls like, Hey, you know, stop forward, stop back, you know, come left one. And then Franny was kind of just like giving hoist calls up and down. Uh, he got down on the ground. And then I, I believe that this was a vest. We had the new vest at the time we got finally upgraded. So I, I believe this was a vest, not a litter. Um, I'd have to look back at the report, but, uh, he was, he was fucked up. He had a significant head injury, chest wall injury. He fell pretty, pretty good bit. Um, we got him in or Austin got him into the aircraft. We peeled off to the left and then just March, you know, going through March, didn't see any, any, any bleeds that was actively bleeding. He had a, a massive head lack, uh, the bleeding I ended up like opening the flap, shoving combat gauze in it, closing the flap. So, oh wow, oh damn, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was bet right back here behind the ear, like his because they had we put him in the C collar, and then yeah, yeah. we noticed that that his ear was sticking up flat like this. I'm like that's not normal. So uh, <laughs> we finished finished massive hemorrhage, and then I I went to go look in his airway, and Austin was taken from the waist down. And I looked in his airway and it was just covered. It was just filled with rocks and dirt. He had just been, he just had dirt in his airway, like mass amounts of dirt in his airway. And I said, Austin, I don't, I was like, I don't like this. And I, I was like, look, and I shined my light and he looked and he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, let's fucking tube him. And he was like, cool. So we RSI'd him in the back of the bird. Uh, so another, another innovation in the back of the bird. Um, more ketamine, more VEC. And then we, we actually innovated him in the bird. Uh, yeah. Austin, Austin was doing it. Um, I let Austin get it. So I'm like, I'm the chief, right? So like, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a 32 year old chief. I want to do all the fun, but I was like, Hey bro, you, you can take, you can take the the tube. Uh, but it ended up being, we that's both great leadership right there. Look at you, yeah, man. Well, wow. We, we ended up, we, <laughs> I I also felt bad because I was the addition. So if I would have done it and he was on duty and I wasn't, I would never live that down. Uh, so <laughs> uh, love it. I, I got called out for stealing a rescue one time. So I was like, all right, bro, like I'll, I'll I won't be a dick. But uh I he ended up needing he ended up needing help tubing him. So it ended up being his his jaw was so rigid that he needed two people to hold uh hold the positioning with the blade and then i had to pass the tube in 
So he, he held like a tomahawk like position on the tube. And then I passed the tube through the cords and then we did everything else and turned them over. Um, I transferred like a month after that, maybe two months after that. Uh, actually that mission happened. We deployed to Houston for, uh, hurricane Harvey. We went down there to support that. And then I, I immediately nice. transferred like a week when I got home and, uh, Austin said, this guy followed up and he, he made a recovery. It was not a full recovery. He had some, he has some permanent neuro defect or deficit. Oh, um, but yeah, he, he can, I look at this. Can you talk and can you wipe your own ass? That's all I care about. Right. So like he can, he can do that. <laughs> so, uh, that's a win yeah, and a win. That's a, it's a win. Right. So, uh, but it, I remember like I had transferred and I went to be an instructor at like an entry level flight schoolhouse. And we're like talking about positioning. And I'm like, Hey, like it's cool to be King Dingling and be the crew chief, but sometimes you need help. Right. So like, don't be afraid to, if you, you can't make all the calls all the time. So we split controls of who does what. And just looking back now, like it was too unsafe. The margin of error to like do this and look up constantly. Yeah, like look up, he could have looked, down, looked he, down. He could have looked up and missed something that happened to Austin because he's controlling the hoist, right? Yeah, so yeah, it worked. It worked. It worked perfect. Um, it was a good call. Uh, another great medical, another technical rescue call, and then another like really good medical call. I don't remember him having any other injuries. We thought he had like a tension at one point, like we considered needle ding him, and I think it was just <clears throat> he was just bang banged up real bad. Um, yeah, Dang. but yeah. So yeah, there, really, there's a really. couple of things about that that you just talked about that I, I really like. I, I'm all about utilizing everybody is to their max potential in the aircraft. And I've been in the helicopter where you have one pilot actually holding the altitude and the other, uh, you know, holding or moving position to the, you know, the aircraft. Yep. So you've got both pilots flying at the same time. Um, you've got guys in the back that are working together in the hoisting or one guy's doing one thing and the other guy's doing another in the back of the aircraft. I've also been on calls where just like you did, um, not to the intubation part, but where the paramedic, I was the second paramedic in, uh, in the aircraft and the primary paramedic, he he went through and he looked right at me. He's like, what do you think? And I was like, you know what? This is what I think as well. And then we we proceeded to you know, treat the patient together. So to, to feed off each other, man, I'm all about it. Like, it's yeah it was, there is it's a big team effort crm all yeah we all. were we were doing it too because the 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 trainee we were like you know trying to trying to he had like 10 rescues as a trainee you know like just being on duty wow, and we were, nice. yeah 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 like to have a bunch of sikorsky passes and not even be qualified it's like a big <laughs> a big deal right so he uh we were trying to like engage him too like so like what what do you what do you think and then it at first and it quickly became all right this isn't a training moment anymore like this is we gotta like it got work to do yeah. boys you know so yeah. it, you know put your thinking caps on but he was he was a tough innovation he was it was so dry from all the dirt and like rock in his mouth can't suction that shit out you would have had to like dump fluid in his mouth to then to suction it to, out. To, yeah. to, to, to suction it out we 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 tried rolling them and then like I shoved an OPA in his mouth to like clear some of it out, but like it was just so dry and gross. So we ended up lubing the tube uh, with the, the lube that comes from the King LT and just lubed the back of it. And then that, that kind of helped a little bit. <clears throat> it, it caused him some issues later because they had to go in and like bronchial clean them out. 
because uh, dirt was on the dirt was on the tube. Um, oh man! Just something that we found we found out later, but uh, yeah, it was a good good RM CRM, good really good medical call. Like those are the ones that like flight flight medics like like you know. So it is a good one. Well done again. Yeah, you thanks, and your crew. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah, that was that was that was definitely the boys. So they crushed that one. I just had I just just the extra for the ride. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, man. So we have we've been on for quite a while now. We've listened to some crazy good stories, and I know you have a whole bunch more, you know, in your arsenal that you could tell. But yeah. uh we, maybe we might have to meet up again one day and do this again yeah. just to, to hear a couple more. But I would like to ask you, you know, like my standard question, advice that you would give to everybody else that's standard duty out there on watch, on call right now, even the ones that are coming up and want to do our job, what advice would you hand pass down? Yeah, I have a, a couple of things. And I'm, I like that you asked this question. I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts and I like listening to some other stuff that the guys say. Um, I, I would honestly say it has changed a lot. Like you're, you're a, a lot of peer groups ahead of me. Uh, it's changed a lot and don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, there is no dumb questions. They might sound dumb, but like to you at that point, you didn't know. So that's not a dumb question. Um, there is no magic serving platter of training. Like no one's going to come up one day with the open checkbook and be like, what do you guys want to do tomorrow for training? So like, if you are a professional rescuer or a medic and you are reactive, this is not the community for you. Uh, you need to figure out a way to be proactive and be aggressive. And people might not like you for that, but you will be well-trained and your people will be well-trained. You know, you might be a thorn in someone's side, but at least you have good training. And, uh, be very, be very, very proactive and then like seek training opportunities out. Just calling someone and saying, Hey, you guys want to like, you show me yours, I show you mine. And then that, that could be the start of a, an amazing MOU, you know, a memorandum of agreement, you know, for future mm -hmm. training or whatever. And then uh, the, 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 like the last like kind of bit of it, and this is unavoidable due to the timeline of our lives right now, but we live in a very, very, very risk adverse uh, leadership centric, like minded military, civilian world, like everything. Every, no one wants to get sued. No one wants to be on the internet. No one wants to be on social media. No one wants to be on the news. So we live in a, a risk adverse um, timeline. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> Being safe is awesome. Like we all want to come home to our families. I want to come back. My kids are not, you know, in the tub with rubber duckies anymore. They're preteens and teenagers, but like, good luck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone, everyone wants to, everyone wants to like come home safe. You can be risk adverse and still take risk. Yeah. Follow ORM, follow your CRM, have good emergency action plans, brief everything. And the only way to be better is to test yourself. And if you're so scared to test yourself, it might be time to find another career. Um, and in terms of medicine, it's ever changing. When I first came in, we never used tourniquets. Now we're doing wild stuff in the back of helicopters or Matt V's or I, I work with Naval Special Warfare now. So like we, we do, a, a, I carry whole blood in CONUS and out of CONUS for training. You know what I mean? So like it's, it's just wild and uh, train, 
train hard, have fun training, uh, take video. You, you might be that guy. They're like, why do you have your video camera out? QA, QI. Yeah. You might catch something, but more importantly, like I've been flying for almost 18, 17 years now. And there's shit that I don't remember that I wish I had pictures of or video of, you know, like yeah. deployments, friends, buddies, fun times, you know, passing by a cruise ship, getting, you know, getting mooned by a bunch of chicks, you know, like, I wish I had, I wish I had memories of that, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, apparently you do. Well done. I do. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that was, that was just an example. I can either confirm I, uh, or deny that I've had. I can, <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's actually flare footage, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, but, but, but have fun. I mean, uh, yeah, we, we talked about that on our other podcast, like have, have oh, fun, yeah. take, take safe risks. Um, and then, yeah, do, yeah. do better, suck less, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Dude, great advice, man, all the way around. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, there's there's so much we could talk about, like even in to go in further depth of all that. I, I we won't do it today, but you know, take everything. You you can you can take so much of that to a step further. So Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I I appreciate it, dude. I and uh yeah, Jesse said you're you're a great dude. I've listened to your a bunch of your podcasts and I was like Thanks, man. I, I love that that dude is the you need to get him back on. I know he did the fire stuff. He's got yeah. a lot of great rescues. That dude is the helo whisperer. He used to like walk out, put his hand on the tail, like she's gonna perform great today. And I'm like, whoa, dude! It's like, like you know, messing around with his horse, you know, like he's oh gonna have a great God. race today. Yeah, that's the helo whisperer, it. dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, Jesse, you've been called out. Let's go. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, but. Wayne, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on and just sharing the stories, the knowledge, and. Hey, buddy, I, I get all into this stuff. This is, yeah. I, I love it. So thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, I, I'll probably see you at a Hilly Expo 2023 in March. Yeah, dude. Try, trying to clear some schedules up and make that happen for sure. Yeah, so, buddy. Man, yeah. it's going to be a good time if we can make it happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of us will be there for sure. So. All right. That's cool. Yeah, that dude. means I'm drinking with one of you guys. Man, I That's really right. gotta stop saying That's that. Right. I sound like a damn lush. You know what? Nah, dude, From it's now cool. on, it's gonna be like I'm gonna meet you for coffee. <laughs> no, nah, man, we're in the Navy and the Coast Guard. We're drinking. Yeah, we're drinking. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Well, I will see you there. I appreciate it again, man. Thank you. Yeah, dude. Peace out, man. Right on. Later. And with that, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at therealrescue again a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember when that star alarm goes off those in distress are praying for a miracle they are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>